Our whole foods medicine, some say it is what humans evolved to eat. The true meaning of, quote, natural, unquote. Or is that just a logical fallacy? The appeal to nature. Read most food or health websites, watch any food show, read any food blogger, and they will confirm that you should eat fresh whole foods. These non-physicians and even some physicians will state that whole foods are medicine. We've seen the renewal of farmer markets, Amazon owns a grocery store called Whole Foods, and then there is Sprouts. Some of those who propose that Whole Foods are medicine will advise people to avoid the center aisles of grocery stores, where the quote, processed foods, unquote, are, or the fortified foods. And only shop at the periphery where there are those beautiful Whole Foods. But as I walk past the organic produce section to buy my cauliflower from the regular produce section, I almost feel a twinge of guilt. So is whole food the answer for health? Are whole foods medicine? Or is that a myth? My name is Dr. Terry Simpson, and this is Culinary Medicine, where we sort out the crazy from credible about food, from its source to its effect on your body, busting myths, and showing where food can be medicine. Of course, American agriculture started out that way. But here's the catch. The most beautiful of environments do not mean the whole foods grown on them will meet our nutritional needs. Imagine the first settlers of Michigan and Minnesota. Most of them were immigrants with a chance to get free land, homesteading, and the land is from where they would make their living. They discovered the rich, dark soil that was covered with this sea of prairie grass as far as the eye could see. Some of those early settlers had a name for that beautiful soil. They called it black gold, long before the name was taken by oil. Grazing on the grass were bison, providing that perfect ecosystem for topsoil. You can imagine how nutrient-rich bison poop is, or maybe not. But under that grass was the most fertile land you could imagine, enough to grow the most amazing crops. It wasn't easy to get to. The grasses were waist high and the root system was thick, but the effort paid off. That soil has become what we now call the breadbasket for planet Earth. One of the conditions for having a homestead was to plant some fruit trees. The most common was the apple. And they had one bit of help from a guy by the name of Johnny Appleseed. By the way, the apples that grew so well in that soil and the settlers had fun developing different hybrids and varietals of apples. Nearly 14,000 were developed. Those crops, those vegetables, those apples, fed their families. 
They were probably the most luxurious gardens planet Earth has seen. But then, they noticed something in their children. Lumps in their necks. The doctors would call them goiters. Those lumps would grow and grow. They were ugly at worst. But then, they started making it hard for the kids to swallow and sometimes breathe. And some would die in their sleep, choked by this massive tumor on their neck called a goiter. What the settlers didn't know was that despite how beautiful those vegetables were, the ones they would eat at their table, or the grass and grains that they would feed their cows and pigs that they would then in turn eat, the soil that nourished those amazing apple, that the soil was deficient in a certain mineral, iodine, and the lack of iodine in their diet caused the growth of those thyroid tumors we know as goiters. The early settlers didn't know the geologic history, how that just 25,000 years before, the land was covered with glaciers, frozen and really inhospitable. Nobody would have imagined a farm. They could not have guessed that this land was excavated by the glacier retreats. As those glaciers retreated around them, it ground the rocks down, making that soil and leaving behind fresh water. It wasn't an ocean but a lake. Had it been an ocean, salt water, rich in seaweed, it would have been rich in iodine. But they didn't know that. They only knew that their children were getting lumps and that some of those children would die. And there was only one option at the time, surgery. In the late 1800s, operations on goiters were dangerous. Being so close to the esophagus and the trachea and the jugular vein and the carotid artery, such large masses obscured the normal anatomy of the neck. Even today, with modern surgery and all of our techniques, massive goiters represent a dangerous operation. But there were two brothers, both surgeons, who were working hard to perfect what they called safe thyroid surgery. Charlie and his brother William reported the successful removal of a massive goiter in 1890. And by 1904, they reported their experience with 40 patients with large goiters. Before Charlie and William died, they had performed thousands of thyroidectomies. And this was all because the land in Minnesota, like in Michigan, and in so many other places in the Middle West, was deficient in that one essential micronutrient, iodine. When Charlie and William started a clinic in this little town in Minnesota, people all around the Middle West would flock to have their thyroid surgery done by either Charlie or William. To this day, you can see a statue of Charlie and William just a little ways from the clinic they started, which to this day attracts people from around the world to that little town, Rochester, Minnesota, and the clinic named after him, the Mayo Clinic. But back to our real story, the myth of Whole Foods. 
Once it was discovered that these goiters were the result of a lack of iodine, the question became how to fix iodine deficiency in a population. The initial idea was to provide iodine drops for the kids in school. But giving iodine drops for the kids in school wouldn't solve the goiters of the kids who had dropped out of school to run the family farm, or the young adults who also suffered from goiters. And then someone saw how they supplied iodine to the salt licks of cows. Because cows, like people, get goiters. So the scientists thought, why not put iodine in salt? Because everybody uses salt at almost every meal. Can you imagine if this were to happen today? Someone would raise an alarm and talk about the evils of diodine, how toxic it is. Iodine is, like all chemicals, including water, toxic at higher doses. With today's internet, I am sure someone would be posting petitions to stop iodinization of salt. Fear of food. The perfect way to get more internet hits. But long before there was an internet, or even a computer, the food scientist in Michigan perfected putting iodine into table salt. In 10 years after iodized salt was introduced, there was an 80% decrease in goiters. Iodized salt became a marketing standard and no federal laws were needed to demand it. Some salt isn't iodized, kosher salt for example. So when my son makes his eggs for breakfast in the morning, I think of those kids in the 1800s and I put away the kosher salt and he salts his egg with standard table salt, iodized. The fortification of food by adding micronutrients began because the most beautiful soil in the world could not produce food that would provide all the micronutrients a human requires. Iodization of salt was the start of fortification. Physicians were facing other diseases of malnutrition, so they began to ask the food industry to fortify other products. The food industry responded positively, and today you'll find fortified breads, cereals, juices, cornmeals, and even infant formula. And the result of that fortification has led to many doctors not seeing diseases like rickets, goiters, pellagra, or pernicious anemia. All diseases that at that time were common. All diseases caused by a lack of vitamins or nutrients. All diseases that were prevalent when people were eating whole foods. But today, we have some food elitists who seek to go back in time. They seek and preach that you should eat local sourced food or farmer's market food, or if you aren't doing that, you're doing something evil to your body. And in today's world, soil nutrient depletion has become a major problem. Still, the thought that whole foods can supply nutrition without fortification persists. Some would propose that whole foods have some magic that science has yet to discover. Whole foods look beautiful, but they may not supply all the nutrients a human needs. But the idea of fortification, even today, with abundant science and medicine showing a decrease in diseases which were once common, fortification is sometimes looked at as less 
than what nature provides. As if you are violating whole food for some strange reason. Some remember how foods have been contaminated over time to make them look better. And the idea of chemicals in food is disgusting. And disgust is one of the most basic emotions in the human brain. And it's rather easy to generate disgust about food, a primitive instinct that resides in us all. We trust the look of a beautiful piece of food. It is hard to trust adding some chemical to food, even if that chemical is necessary for life. But this is not an either-or proposition. Who wouldn't want to support a local farmer or be in favor of biodiversity or even have foods that have lower levels of harmful chemicals? When I eat the lettuce grown by Carl Seacat from his farm, its taste transforms my view of lettuce. And who doesn't like the photograph of a beautiful carrot or tomato taken from some local farm? Seriously, check my Instagram feed. You will see a lot of food photographs. But what is important to know is this. Foods that have been fortified, like bread or milk, or even that salt you put on your eggs, are not evil, but have saved millions of lives. On a scale of 1 to 5, where 1 is a food con and 5 is science, fortified foods are a solid 5. They are medicine. Whole foods, well, they're a start. They supply a lot of the nutrients, but they're not medicine. Thank you for listening to this episode of Culinary Medicine with me, Dr. Terry Simpson. Here comes the doctor disclaimer. Can I do it in one breath? While I am a doctor, I am not your doctor, and you should always seek the advice of a trusted, licensed medical provider with experience in your particular condition or concern before taking any actions. I did it. If you are my patient, then these words should be burned into the fleshy tables of your heart. Culinary Medicine is a part of the Your Doctor's Orders Network, and you can find this post on yourdoctorsorders.com. We are happily be produced and distributed by our friends at Simpler Media, and my executive producer is the talented and beautiful and charitable Producer Girl from Producer Girl Productions. You can follow me on Twitter where I am at Dr. Terry Simpson. That's at Dr. Terry Simpson. And I'll be back next time when we'll have another conversation about food as medicine or unveil another food con. Until next time, don't drink the water, drink the wine. Hey, Evil, you know what's good medicine that's fortified? Beer. So I want you to think when you're drinking that beer, you're getting a great source of vitamin B. <laughs> Just what the doctor ordered. <laughs>